for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, me. And I'm Fish, your thought commentator, where I'll be giving, giving my thoughts on the story, or based on the story thus far. Right. Because every story isn't always read in its entirety during that episode because they can't be a bit lengthy, but... We do try to learn something, you know, that might take us a ways away, which is why we call them takeaways. And we encourage you to send us your takeaways too, as well as your thoughts and requests to 2020BibleStories at gmail.com. Let's get it. All right. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's start today's episode. That's it. Let's get it. Yeah, you said it before you was supposed to, though. It's all right. Let's go. All right. Let's start it. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories with Meek and Fish, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, Meek, and with me as always, Fish, your, th- Fish, your thought commentator. Fish, yes. Yeah. Well, wait a minute now. Yeah, that's what it came. Today, <laughs> <laughs> right, we got fish today, y'all. Fish. All right. Well, last week we left off in Judges chapter five with the song of Deborah. Um, this week we're going to continue with the fourth period of Judges, and we're going to begin in chapter six. So let's begin. Chapter six. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, mortars from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as Thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and I gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, 
which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But the but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go. go until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket, and the broth in the pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it. Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Yes. The altar remains in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah post standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built. 
and on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded to Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by mourning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerob Baal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. When the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power, he blew a ram's horn. Yeah, clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Ebiezer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Chapter 7. So Jerob Baal, which is Gideon, and his army got up early and went out as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring. And I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cut water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. 
Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below the get just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the other people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. The camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent turned it over and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all his allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horn, blow your horns too. All around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zira and to the border of Abel. Abel Mehaloa near Tabith, whatever. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River at Beth Bera. 
Bayrock. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. Chapter 8. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. But Gideon replied, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Ebiezer? God gave you victory over Orb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, and though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. When they reached Succoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, please give my warriors some food. They are very tired. I am chasing Zeba and Zalmuna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth replied, catch Zeba and Zalmuna first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, after the Lord gives me victory over Zeba and Zalmuna, I will return and tear your flesh with the thorns and briars from the wilderness. From there, Gideon went up to Peniel and again asked for food, but he got the same answer. So he said to the people of Peniel, after I return in victory, I will tear down this tower. By this time, Zeba and Zalmuna were in Carcor with about 15,000 warriors, all that remained of the Allied armies of the East, for 120,000 had already been killed. Gideon circled around by the caravan route east of the Noba and Jogbeha, Jogbeha, whatever, taking the Midianite army by surprise. Zeba and Zalmuna. The two Midianite kings fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured all their warriors. After this, Gideon returned from the battle by way of Harris Pass. There, he captured a young man from Succoth and demanded that he write down the names of all the 77 officials and elders in the town. Gideon then returned to Succoth and said to the leaders, Here are Zeba and Zalmuna. When we were here before, you taunted me, saying, catch Zeba and Zalmuna first, and then we will feed your exhausted army. Then Gideon took the elders of the town and taught them a lesson, punishing them with the thorns and briars from the wilderness. He also tore down the Tower of Peniel and killed all the men in the town. Then Gideon asked Zeba and Zalmuna, the men you killed at Tabor, what were they like? Like you, they replied. They all had the look of a king's son. They were my brothers, the sons of my own mother, Gideon exclaimed. As surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. Turning to Jether, or Jether, his oldest son, he said, kill him. 
But Jether did not draw his sword, for he was only a boy and was afraid. Then Ziba and Zalmuna said to Gideon, Be a man, kill us yourself. So Gideon killed them both and took the royal ornaments from the necks of their camels. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. Gladly, they replied. They spread out a cloak, and each one threw in a gold earring he had gathered from the plunder. The weight of the gold earrings was 43 pounds, not including the royal ornaments and pendants, the purple clothing worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains around the necks of their kings. Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it in Oprah, just his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. That is the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. Then Gideon, son of Joash, returned home. He had 70 sons born to him, for he had many wives. He also had a concubine in Shechem who gave birth to a son, whom he named Abimelech. Gideon died when he was very old, and he was buried in the grave of his father, Joash, at Oprah in the land of the clan of Abiezer. As soon as Gideon died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping the images of Baal, making Baal beareth their god. They forgot the Lord their god, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them. Nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Jeroboam which again is Gideon, despite all the good he had done for Israel. Chapter 9. One day, Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. He said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to his proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal Beareth, which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home in Oprah and there on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, or Jotham, escaped and hid. Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar at Shechem and made Abimelech their king. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem. Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. 
Once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, should I quit producing olive oil that blesses both God and people just the way back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, you be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, you be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, come, you be our king. And the thorn bush replied to the trees, if you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham continued, now make sure you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king and that you have done right by Gideon and all of his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his 70 sons on one stone. And you have decided his slave woman's son Abimelech and you have chosen his slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king just because he is your relative. If you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo. And may fire come out from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in this treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gael, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech, Gael shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem. So why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon. And this Zebul is merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Zebul, the leader of the city, heard what Gael was saying, he was furious. 
He sent messages to Abimelech and Aruma telling him, Gael, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it's daylight, attack the city. When Gael and those who were with him came out against you, you can do when Gael and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with him as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gael was standing in the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, look, there are people coming from down the hilltops. Zebul replied, it's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again, Gael said, no, people are coming down from the hills. And another group is coming down the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebo turned on him and asked, Now where's that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, Who is Abimelech and why should we be his servants? The men you marked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gael led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him and many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Aruma and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into the field to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal Beerus. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zalman. He took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree, then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down their branches, following Abimelech's example. They piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who had lived in the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone and it landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him. So the young man ran him through with his sword and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they 
disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Uh, that is where we are going to end our reading for today. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with the takeaways. All right, and we are back with the takeaways. And my first takeaway is um, the Midianites were descendants from Abraham's second wife, Keturah, with whom he had six sons. Now, if you got a good memory, you'll know that God told Moses to take revenge on Midian for leading Israel into idolatry. They did, but not as commanded, which is why Moses got mad because they killed all the men but let the women live. The ones who took Balaam's advice and caused the people to rebel. That's basically, again, those were the Midianites. So Moses then told them to keep the virgin girls but get rid of the women who weren't. So now we see again that the tribe repopulated and once again oppressed Israel, basically. That's not really so much a takeaway. I mean, I took it, took it away, but it's not like, again, like a lesson, something that you need to take with you. Just a good little tidbit of information to remember. Uh, it's not a takeaway, but you took it away. <laughs> Basically. Oh, man. Uh, next one is that Israel waited yet again until they hit rock bottom and literally were reduced to starvation before they turned to God. So my takeaway don't wait until you run out of options before you call on the Lord. Call on God first in every situation because life, again, is not easy. It is not always going to be fun. And not and anyways, God is going to give us the strength to get through, to get us through it. He will, but it's, again, not going to be easy. And you cannot sit around and wait until you are reduced to starvation, until you hit rock bottom before you finally call on the Lord for some help. That's crazy. Thoughts, comment? Yes. My thought, my comment, I guess that's what it is, is that like you spinning off of what you said, is that um, you have to seek God first, but you got to know, some people don't know to seek him. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't that's see sometimes he it's about testing sometimes he get them to rock bottom in order for them to call on him so that he can show them his works you know what i'm saying like if you I didn't mean, know yes. him, yeah because he said that again when once you disobey me i want to turn you over to your enemies and your enemies you see what they did to you well you see yeah. what i did to you when i turned you over to your enemies i let you stop Listen, to, this is what, yeah, that too. But what I'm saying, like, okay, I'm, I'm saying this is, is that some knew, some didn't. And which you, even if you did know, you not really practicing. So he has to take you to rock bottom sometimes in order to bring you back to him. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes he causes you to go to rock bottom and, and figure out where you went wrong and like, okay, I'm here. I'm back. I know. I figured. Yeah, I know where I went wrong. 
That's all I'm saying. But like if you're trying to recover from drugs, you can't be, or kick a habit. You gotta, you know, go to God and you gotta hit rock bottom and be like, okay, God, I'm tired. Enough is enough. That's how they were. I'm tired of starving. Enough is enough. I know who you are. Well, yeah, but because again, as it stated, you you're trying to go your own way, and when I leave you to your own devices, and when I let you go your own way, this is what happens. Right. So again, seek me first. So you don't go down these wayward paths. Well, you don't go down these dark holes, these rabbit holes that you can't get out of. Because again, you're not strong enough. So you have to, again, you have to, in that moment, if you are addicted to Joe, that's when you need to call on the Lord. I need your help, Lord. Walk me that's to right. this AA place. Walk me to that's this rehab facility. Take me to my mama house. Take me somewhere where somebody's going to give me the help, the church, church again, the, the rehab somewhere. Like, I need the strength. I need the help. I can't do it by myself. Let me give you this example, okay? So right after my mother died, you know, hey, uh, I got kidnapped. And by this time, you know, they had, you know, the gun in my mouth, the gun in my head, and they kept, you know, asking me different questions about nonsense, whatever, I ain't getting into that. But, you know, by this time, they asked me the last question, I just was like, F it. If you're going to kill me, put me in the graveyard, because at this point, I'm giving up. My mother gone. I don't even care about life no more. So what they did was when they, you know, they let me go and they let me go in front of the church. You know what I'm saying? At that moment, I didn't even consult God. I just was ready to go. But he wasn't ready for me to go. And they put me out in front of the church. And I still didn't recognize the connection at that time because I'm still in the street. You understand what I'm saying? Until I got locked up. Once so, again, you going your own way. You again, I literally put all these signs in front of you. You chose to ignore all these signs. The fact that you can remember that all that happened, the fact that you can remember that you was at the church enough means that you saw the signs. You saw it. There were no signs. Listen to what I'm saying. I wasn't doing nothing. I'm in the street. I'm 20 something, maybe. Well, ain't nobody thinking about God at that time. I'm in the street. There wasn't no worship and praise, thank the Lord, or nothing like that. If anything, I was probably mad because my mother died, died of cancer. So it wasn't it wasn't no recollection of me praising him and this, that, and the third. None of that. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It wasn't until going to, going to jail, coming home, and getting acclimated to really knowing who God is and what he can do for you. So uh, this process has just been happening now. Back then, I still didn't know. I still didn't go to him. I still didn't do all that. He was doing the, the signs and wonders, and I wasn't catching on. That's what I'm telling you. And so that's what I just said. I literally just said he showed you the signs. And the fact that you're stating the signs means you saw them too. You just, again, ignored them. Is what I just said. You decided to, and it wasn't until you got into jail that you found there is no ignoring the signs now. I ain't got no time to ignore the signs because I ain't got nothing but time. So again, you didn't pay attention to the first sign, is what I'm saying. You saw it. You just said again, they dropped you off at the church, so you saw it. However, again, as you stated, your mindset, your mental right now is you didn't care because of what you were going through as far as your mother. So that's what I'm saying. That's understandable because that's what I'm saying. But you saw it. 
because you just said they dropped me off at the church. That was the first time. So you mind saw it. I have now you is not the mind that I had then. So if you don't know him at that time and you haven't hit rock bottom yet, you, you don't know who to say until it's that time. Until it's that time, okay, Lord, I'm just I'm just saying, sometimes you don't know until you hit rock bottom to call on him. That's what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is, as far as these people, these people knew. So for as far for these people who knew that the Lord is our God, that the Lord is our leader, these people who knew that and you're consistently worshiping the images of other people's religions, you know that's wrong. You know that's wrong. You're continuing to do it anyway because, again, you live here with these people. You're making money with these people. You're intermarrying with these people. So you're coming to the point of acceptance of the bad things that are going on around you. You have come to literally make them a part of your life as opposed to asking God for the strength to fight the temptation of joining these religions and worshiping these other people and intermarrying with as opposed to asking for the strength that the Lord can give you at any given time when you ask for it. Instead, you decide again to do the wrong thing. You're deciding to go your wrong way. And because you're deciding that, you've now hit rock bottom. You've made the, these choices. You've made these decisions. And based off of the choices and the decisions that you have made, it has led you to the bottom of the gutter. You have led your choice, yourself here. And now that you're here, now that you're here, it's finally okay. Let me ask the Lord for help. I cannot do it. I Clearly, I cannot do it myself. I have been choosing to go this way for so long because again, I'm here, I'm of this world, I'm in this world, I'm getting acclimated to it. And I'm not staying strong to what my ancestors taught me. I'm not being loyal to the people who have been loyal to me, people who are saving, who are risking their lives to save mine. I'm not being loyal and doing what it is that I'm supposed to do to these people and again, as a result, when I know that's what I'm supposed to do, because again, we'll eventually get to that part, but I know that though. That's my point as far as these people. I can understand for people like you, as you're stating with, that wasn't your foundation. Like you know who he is, but I don't know who he is. So for people like you, where that's not a part of me, that's not a part of my foundation, that's not my instant go-to I understand that you don't probably probably or likely have that strength or have the instincts to call on the Lord until as you stated until you hit rock bottom but what I'm saying is in your case of what you just said when he I got dropped off at the church and this and it's like again he was showing you like the first thing is you just got kidnapped yes you want to change for that reason alone Secondly, I have just let you live and I dropped you off at the where of all places again that I could have dropped you off at. You could have woke up at the liquor store. You could have arrived at the liquor store. You could have arrived at the grocery store. You could have arrived at anywhere. But the place that you arrived at was a church. 
and you remember that because again that was again another sign that was another sign however it wasn't until you got to jail where okay finally i have been i've been seeing shit i have been but I'm again, I don't really know God enough to know if he's actually speaking to me. I've been seeing signs. I'm seeing the lines. But I don't actually know if this is actually him. So let me keep doing what I've been doing to see if he'll send me another one. And let me keep doing what I've been doing to send me another one until eventually I'm not sending you no more signs. I've already told you. So now you can go your own way and now let your enemies do what it is that they need to do now. But again, once you once he set you down, well, once you got set down, I'm not going to say once he set you down, once you got set down, once you kept making your own decisions and your decisions have led you here, now, okay, I can honestly sit in what I know now. I can sit in knowing that all those things that I have been seeing was for this reason, to get me ready and to get me prepared for once I get out of here to never do this again. To make sure that I do it right this time. I'm going to know to call on him first now. I'm going to be able to know that when these occurrences and when these happenstances, luck, whatever it is you want to call it, is happening in my life to to pay attention to it, to stop ignoring what he's showing me. Stop ignoring the signs and stop asking for other ones when he just sent me this one. Right. That's just what I'm saying as far as that. Right. Um, my next takeaway is that that's exactly what he told Gideon, who, like Moses, made excuses as to why he couldn't do what the Lord told him seeing only his basically his limitations and his weaknesses that's all he could see so as if god made a mistake in evaluating his character and didn't already know all about him so my takeaway stop wasting time making excuses when god promise promises us the tools and strength we need to do what it is that we need to do that he wants us to do because uh, that was i said how are we going to get to that when it comes to Gideon, that's exactly, again, I am sitting here talking to you right now. That's the first one. I'm talking to you. Face and then you're coming at me with the excuses as to, okay, well, I know you're talking to me, but I think you you made a mistake. Like, you, you did you know I'm from the smallest clan? Do you know that I'm the least of everybody here? Like, you, you I, again, I keep asking again for these signs because I don't feel that I'm worthy enough to be talking to the Lord. I don't feel worthy enough that he should be one to take interest in me and making me be this great leader and this great rescuer that I can be because that's not what I've been told. That's not what I know. What I know is I'm from the smallest tribe. And as far as society goes and how that is, that means I ain't worth nothing. Right. I'm weak, clearly, which is why the Lord said, go with the strength that you got. Get up and go with the strength that you have. I'll do the rest. 
Mm-hmm. And again, when you get that mindset that I'm least, I'm not worthy, this, that, and the third, you don't, you don't know when he's actually there. So, I'm, you know, he tested God just like Moses did. And it's like a lot. Of, what's the other one? Someone I'm dead. I can't remember. Everybody tests God's gangster. Now, clearly, clearly, because after the Lord said, after that angel said to him, you mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He turned around and said, what? Well, if the Lord with us, why is he letting all this calamity happen? What he should have said was, who was the mighty hero? Who are you talking to? Because that's what I would have said. The what? The mighty hero. Yeah, I was the Lord is with you. And this man said, Well, if the Lord is with us, I'm not understanding what's happening yeah. here. Right. Why am I why are we hungry? So yeah. again, I'm talking about you and you talking about us. So my takeaway on your mess. It is so easy to blame God and other people for your problems when the real problem is you not taking personal accountability and looking within yourself and saying, I confess I created this problem, this situation, these circumstances. I did this. I made these decisions. Instead, this man said, you abandoned us. We're all these miracles our ancestors told us about. Like, uh, we had a little bit of a little hiccup. We're going to pick up where we left off and where we was last. My last takeaway we were talking about anyway, where I was just basically again, where he was like the Lord abandoned us. And the Lord was basically like, again, y'all abandoned me. Y'all started worshiping other idols. Y'all forgot about me until y'all got to starving. Y'all didn't obey none of my goddamn commandments. You relied on your own human strength, instincts. You didn't come to me like you were supposed to. And you sitting here talking about some, the, this is all the Lord's fault, basically. He abandoned us. Where is, again, what is happening here? And that is literally just basically how he was. If the Lord is with us, then why is all this calamity happening? I'm not understanding. And when again, I said the Lord was with you. I said you. The Lord is with you. You talking about us. Who is us? Those comments. Um. Well, that basically just leads me to my next takeaway, which is hypocrisy. Again, the Lord told Gideon to destroy the Midianites, tear down the bare altar and the sheer pole beside it, and built a new altar to me, the Lord, and sacrifice a burnt offering on it. Yet the people of the town, which I am more than certain included the Israelites, wanted to kill Gideon for tearing down their idol and worshiping their God. I mean, uh, tearing down their idol for yeah, the God that they worshiped. Again, I did what y'all did, but it's a problem when I do it. Because I guess, again, you, you're making fun of our God. You're tearing down our altar. I guess if you made your own altar, but don't touch my stuff. But again, that's what y'all did. Y'all took all the Lord out of here. 
and you make sure that yes, y'all fighting consistently to stay here. Cause y'all again don't want no parts of the Lord. We like our sheer pose. We like our bed. We like our sun gods. We like we have uh uh-uh. uh. Well, no, we don't we don't want it. We don't want it. But and again, I like my God. I like my God, so I'm gonna build my altar right here where I stand. But if, as soon as I build my altar, yes, hey, 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 who did this? Go find him. He's got to go. He's gotta go. Hypocrisy. Those comments. No, but I gotta take away from from uh, from a couple from the first one. I got a God keeps testing us, and we and like we do, we keep sinning, and God comes through each time. He might not come through on time, but He comes through each time. And uh, I got um. Well, God says what he's going to do, he's going to do it. That's what I got. Okay, well, my takeaway is when you begin to accomplish something for God, you may be criticized by the very people who should be supporting you. Now, he had the support of his father, who I'm not fully convinced worship Baal because of his response when the men came for his son. I feel like Joash was, again, he was an architect or a builder or something. That's why I said he was the one who built the altar. And he would have been mad because it would have brought trouble to to his finances, basically. I eat the family. Like, I, I, I built this. Like, this is what I do for a living. And my own son around here tearing down what I, what I built up. That's yes, you you messing up the money for the family. Ain't nobody gonna want to work with me now. If my own son around here tearing down my work. Right. But when it came time to stand up for his son, though, and the Lord, he did just that. Homeboy was like, uh, uh, forget the money. Huh. I got to protect my son and I got to defend the Lord. Listen here, listen here. And y'all again, let Baal fight for himself. Let him come out here and fight my son. Why y'all got to do it if he a God? Let him do it. Y'all better not put your hands on my son. Mm-hmm. But for those Israelites again who were on the other side of that door talking about stone him, those again is the that's the hypocrisy. That's what I'm talking about. Because again, they knew God's laws. And God said it in Deuteronomy that yes, idolaters must be stoned to death. Yet y'all trying to stole me for the very thing y'all doing. Crazy. That's why his father was on, had his back because he like, yeah, if my son did this, it had he must be with the Lord. So I'm about to go right with him. Well, that's why I came up again. Well, like they said, that he built the altar. And if I tear it down, my father won't be upset. Again, this is how I make my money. Like I said, this is how I make my money. And the Lord is telling me to do the opposite of what my daddy do for a living. And daddy is again. Okay. I, I Again, I like my money. 
but my family is more important. And so was God. That I and so that yes, let Baal come fight for himself if he's if he a God. Right. Let's see what happens. Let's see what he can do. Why right. do you all have to come fight his battle? Why y'all out here? Right. Um, now when Gideon heard the voice of the Lord for the first time, I can understand why he asked for a sign or a miracle to prove again that it really was the Lord's voice that he was hearing that, that was directing him. But to ask for them two other miracles now, especially that one that could have happened naturally anyways. Well, you already know how I feel about it. <laughs> this was a clear sign of fear and unbelief. That's a clear sign of it. But that's what we do when we scared. When we look confirmation. We putting out fleeces, wasting right. time instead of taking action. But uh, Yeah, that's true too. But I mean, the first one, once he did the first one and he really realized he was talking, now that's it. That's enough. That's how, I, that's how I, I feel. Once he, the first time that he did it, I'm not about to keep on going. Because like he said, I was face to face. Like, come on. Like, and you had to go on your knees and cry because it just connected that you was face to face. Like yeah, I got it. Cause at the end, cause he finally got some swag. He finally got some confidence and started. He hold, let's go kill everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Like I said, yeah, that was again. That was my how I came up. Well, my takeaway. My takeaway is putting out fleeces is basically testing God to see if He fits into your experiment or to your decisions only to find that the results are inconclusive, thus failing to make us any more confident about our choices. So don't let a fleece become a substitute for God's wisdom that comes through Bible study, that comes through prayer, that comes through wise counsel. Like, Stop putting out these fleeces. Stop testing God. Yeah, that's what I got. I got Gideon keeps testing God's gangster. <laughs> Again, like somebody else, I can't remember who it was, but they keep testing God's gangster. This is yeah. ridiculous. And I got a, uh, you know what I'm saying? God is the beginning and the end. Why do you not believe when he say who he is the first time? He didn't have exactly. to come. He didn't have to burn the people. He could have easily, just like he changed the people's mind and made them kill each other. He could have did that to you, but he he showed himself to you. And you mm -hmm. still was like, oh, well, I'm going to test you right here. Come on, man. Well, like I said again, when you when you scared and you just you just in disbelief, you again, you want to test God's gangster. Okay, you going to keep asking for these signs. When again, I've already sent you one. I sent okay. you two, exactly. and now you're asking me for a third one. And I have literally did everything you said. The only difference is that second one that you asked for is literally something that would have happened anyways. Well, like you asked me for something that would have naturally happened. So to ask me for something that's going to naturally happen anyways makes, again, your decision-making even that much more indecisive because right. you really don't know again if this is the Lord speaking to you because that would have happened anyways. Right. Well, I got I got one for that. I got God's patience. <laughs> God's 
God's patience with these people. And mm -hmm. mercy, his patience and his mercy with these people, those people, us people, them people, all the his patience. He could have been like, look, Gideon, you just like the other people, Moses and somebody else. I needed the sure sign and the man that was blind on a donkey at the gate. Yeah. That's the man you're talking about. I think who was is uh Barrick Balaam. I don't Bell. know. Remember the horse wouldn't go, the donkey wouldn't move, but he started talking to somebody. Yeah, now come on. God's patience and mercy and grace. Because he is steady being patient with these people. He come down to see him. He done wrestle with people. He done talk to people. He done came to the gate with the people. He done came to the angel in the street. The man couldn't see. He let him come on now. Mm -hmm. They keep testing God's gangster. We keep testing God's gangster. I'm gonna put myself in it. We keep testing, write that down. God's gangster. <laughs> Next, God reduced Gideon's soldiers from 32,000 to 300 to prevent self sufficiency. There is no doubt, again, no doubt that had they went out that deep, they would have believed it was by their own strength. But with only 300 people, there could be no denying, there could be no denying that the credit of that victory was from God. So my takeaway, we can be confident of victory against life challenges and temptations only if we put our confidence in God and trust the plan that he wants to work through us. You got to be confident. You have to be sure that he is, again, the one that is going to come up with that extra strength. Go out and fight these men with the strength you have because I am going to make up for the rest. I am going to be that one who, again, makes this thing happen. I'm going to make sure that y'all come out victorious. I'm going to make sure this land comes through conquered. I'm going to make sure that y'all can take and wipe all these enemies out. All y'all got to do is just trust and believe that I'm going to do it. That is literally all you have to do. Go out with that sword. Go out with the sword that, that ram's horn. Go out there because that's all you need. Because again, the minute you blow that ram's horn, just as you stated, I'm going to throw these people into a panic. I'm going to throw you don't even know. Like you have no idea what I can do. So don't worry about how it's going to get done. Just know it's going to get done. Stop worrying about the details. Stop asking for all these signs. Stop worrying about the little minute, little minute things. Like it don't matter. It does not matter. That's why you got all these people out here with all these videos on. You can get rich with no money. You can get into real estate with no money. You can start a business with no money. You can do all kinds. You can start a t-shirt business. You can get into no. You can do this, this, this. Everybody got it of how you can do things with no money. Meanwhile, when you finally click on it 
and you realize when they say no money, they basically just means you don't need no money because we're going to try to get other people's money. That's why you don't got to worry about no money. So again, that's the resource thing of having faith, of knowing that if you got something good, somebody going to give you the money. The money going to come. You just got to trust and believe. Okay. I got when God is with you, who could be against you? And remember at all times when you're going through and when you're coming out, shout and praise the Lord boldly. Okay. Somebody. <laughs> somebody came prepared. They got pen and paper. <laughs> somebody got some pen and some paper today. Money do it, hallelujah. Oh, that's your shout out. Mm -hmm. I'll take that today. I'll take that praise today. And then I Won't got uh Wony what? Won't he do it? So my when you become tested, know that there's always a way out. It's the Lord. When you become tested, when you become when so maybe when the test comes, don't panic. Know that there's always a way out. Okay. That's what I meant. I just didn't write all that down. I have enough room. Okay. It's like you got pen and paper. Okay, but with this occurrence, which is my next point, with this occurrence, it put fear right back in the Gideon's heart, and the Lord understood his fear. That's why he was like, if you're scared, take your servant and go to the Midian camp and listen to what they're saying. Then you're going to be eager to attack, which means even though his fear was understandable, it didn't excuse him from having to do the task God sent him to do. So God did what? Gave Gideon the strength and encouragement he needed to get through the situation and come out victorious. My takeaway, listen and obey God so you will find the courage to move ahead and be ready to take that first step after you've listened. That's why he talks so much in the beginning about to being prepared. You have to be prepared so that when the moment comes, when I come down to you, when I speak to you face to face, you are ready to take the next step. You're ready to take that first step because you heard me. You heard what I said and you ain't got no problem with stepping out there on your faith on your belief that I'm going to get it done. God is going to be with me. He is going to he is going to encourage me. He is going to make sure that my footsteps are guided and that I'm good wherever I go. Well, I got Gideon was a punk until God. <laughs> Jesus. I got sucker. But Gideon was a punk until God gave him the talk and the the talk and the let me see, I got patience, but I don't think that's what I meant. This is a, 
he gave him the strength and the talk that he needed to move forward once he had his victories over the armies. Then I put a, a let me see. Well, as far as what I'm saying in this situation, again, it's like I said, as far as with the fleece and like all that extra stuff, yes, but it's when it comes to this portion of it, when I tell you to go fight and you go grab your army and I tell you, no, that's too many and I reduce you down to 300 people from 32,000, I understand the fear that you have. I completely understand the fear that you have, which is why he said again, if you are scared, go down and listen to what these people are saying. These people are afraid of you. You have no idea what I'm doing behind closed doors. You have no idea what is taking place while you over here talking to me. They down here scared of you. But then he already knew that, though. That's why he said it and sent them. He already knew that. That's why he already knew who Gideon was and what it was going to take for Gideon to move and for Gideon to get some swag and for Gideon to get some guts and for Gideon to have some nuts. Was going to take. Okay, go listen to this. So this another again another test, another test. This so again the encouragement again. This should be the encouragement that you need because like he said, the minute you get down there, you're going to be eager to attack these people now. Once you hear what they're saying, you ain't going to have no doubt then. There'll be no disbelief then. You, once you understand that I will be your strength and now that I've let you hear, now that I've let you be privy to a secret conversation that your enemy is having about you, when you sitting here afraid of them and the whole time your enemy is afraid of you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, again, you, I, I'm going to give you that encouragement. You don't got to worry about no enemies. They can't do nothing. They can't do nothing against me. That's something somebody else we just read about in another chapter. Like Somebody else that was a punk mm -hmm. to a degree that was scared. We just, uh, I know we did. I just can't think of who it is right now. The person that you talking about from the, the last one, where he uh he asked Deborah to go with him when the Lord told him you got victory. Oh yeah, him too. I wasn't talking about him because I'm talking about like way back maybe the first uh season. But yeah, that one too. I had forgot. See, he was so weak. I forgot all about him. Mm mm mm. Uh, was it? Is this the same person, right? Gideon, I think. No, nah, was it? Who was it? Um, I I can remember later, but I know it's, it's still sounds like a similar story where. You no, know, I'm looking at it right now, but I'm trying to see what his name was. Um, Ehud. No, not Ehud. He was a judge before him. It was somebody else that went in the battle and then he was like, um, you know, and, uh, Barrett. That's who it is, Barrett. Okay. Barrett was like, yeah, I go only if you go. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was a he was a sucker too. 
<laughs> but it's all right. God uses everybody. Sometimes we miss cycle sometimes. It's all right. But, you know, as long as you got him behind but you, you got here, this Same. just basically gives the example of why I understand, again, that you are scared. It's, I'm aware of this situation. I am God. I am aware that this is a scary situation. However, the point of that is that you cannot use that fear as the excuse is to not do what it is that I sent you to do because I'm going to provide you the encouragement. So you got to, okay, it's kind of again, basically like how T.D. Jake said. You're going to have the voices. The voices are going to be there. You're going to have that voice that is going to be like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Then you're going to also have this voice that just says, no, you cannot, no, you cannot, no, you cannot. What you're supposed to do with your job is, is to regulate the volume of those voices. You have to make sure that that voice that says God can do it, you can do it because you have God with you. God's going to give you the strength, the resources, every the ability, the skills, the, the more, everything that you need. He's going to give you what you need to get done when I get the task done that I'm assigning you to do. You got to make sure, again, that voice is just louder than that voice that is telling you, no, you cannot, because it's going to be there. You just have to make sure it's not overpowering the voice that is saying God can. Okay. That's a good, that was a good one, because I needed to hear that one. <laughs> Them voices I'm glad I it to you. Yes, indeed. Them voices is powerful. I'm trying to tell you. That was good. Okay. Well, when God went to when God, when Gideon went to the enemy camp, he heard an enemy soldier again dreaming of a loaf of bread. So basically, he dreamt something considered inferior, which Israel's tiny army was against Midian and his allies. As was again the Bali week. It seems invincible, basically. So, my takeaway don't count out the underdog. His dream again was that a loaf of bread came down here and flipped the whole tent. A loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. A loaf of bread came and tumbled down a whole tent, which can only mean one thing that again something that seems to be inferior this little teeny army something again that he, like he just kept saying I'm the smallest of all the clans I'm the least of all the people in my clan like again something that just seems so inferior something that is just seems so minuscule can be considered to be something so great I put God can turn your friends into enemies. When he went to that made them kill each other. God can turn your friends to your enemies. They you it didn't even it took the horn horn and light. Yeah, let's kill each other. He can send change. That's another thing I got. He can send change. Huh? I said, yeah, I ain't think I got that far yet. 
Because oh, my next takeaway is that Gideon had had all the fear in the end for no reason. Because again, they didn't even have to draw a single sword to fight them. God put these people in a panic and they started fighting each other. Mm-hmm. So my takeaway, victory does not depend on strength or numbers, but obedience and commitment to God. Mm-hmm. I put God sent change. He could change your direction at any minute. He could change your life at any second. And he, he changed your he could change your friends and, into enemies. Oh, when when God says move. Oh yeah, when God says move, he means move. Having faith and belief. That's what I wrote down. Well, yeah, that was my takeaway because, again, they had victory and it had nothing to do with his strength because, again, they didn't go out there with thousands of people. They went out there with 300. Not only did he only went out there with 300 people, nobody had to lift a sword in order for him to fight. So technically, we went to battle and didn't even fight at the daggone battle. Yeah. So again, the victory did not depend on us. And the victory, the victory did not depend on us coming out here in swarms of like locusts, as they uh, they describe of Campbells. That yes, there's so many they can't count them. Like we didn't come out there deep like that because that didn't depend. Because that wasn't the a point here. That's not the point here. The point is to see: Are you going to do what I'm telling you to do? Because if you literally just do what I tell you to do, if you stay committed to me, if you stay faithful to me, you're going to win. Point blank in the period. Because as you can see, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You didn't swing a single sword in this fight. It's not your fight. Exactly. Exactly. My next takeaway takeaway is somebody's got to do the dirty work. So the people of Ephraim got mad at Gideon because in short, they felt shorted. Like they weren't good enough to fight in a battle, but we good enough to clean up your leftovers. And as stated in the beginning, somebody's got to do the dirty work. The question is, are you content with doing God's dirty work or do you resent him for it? Do you wish he called you to be that engineer and not the bricklayer, the star and not the background singer, the bridesmaid and not the bride? And it wasn't until Gideon was like, look at what you accomplished compared to me. Like, look what God allowed you to do. And you sitting over here Worried about that. I was out here again in the fight, in the battle. You you should be happy you wasn't out here in the fight and in the battle. You should be happy all you got to do is clean up my leftovers. You didn't have to do none of that work. All you had to do was just come clean up. Okay. And again, you don't know what it takes to be me. You have no idea 
what I you don't know how many times I done just tested the Lord and probably should be dead right now for testing him consistently, right? Like again, you don't know. You have no idea that I thought I was going out here with 32,000 people and this man then dwindled me all the way down to 300 people. Like my confidence is has been shot. I have been high, 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 high. And the Lord has brought me low, 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 because you have to be humble. You have to one have faith and then be humble to be able to move. You, you have, have to have, to have a lot of qualities. And again, just because you don't have the qualities that I have to be the again, you the bricklayer. Yes, I'm the engineer, but I can't be the engineer without the bricklayer. Somebody gotta lay the bricks. Yes, I'm the bride, but again, well, I can't say that technically you can't have a bride without the bridesmaids because you sure can, but again, that's typically how that goes. If I want to have a wedding and I want to have my friends in it, I got to have the bridesmaids. If I want all the, everybody to wear the same color and I want them opinions to look a certain way, I got to have these people in order to make that happen. All things I ain't got no friends. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy me some bridesmaids. Go rent some people out. I got a circle. Everything works in a circle. Life is a circle, and it's a circle. You need one. You need your left hand. Need the right hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leaders of. Penio and Sucker refused to help Gideon until he got the job done. And Gideon was like, all right, don't help me. But when I get back, I'm going to teach your ass a lesson that you ain't going to never forget. And they probably were scared given that, it's again, it's only 300 of us. It's only 300 of y'all chasing 15,000 men. So ain't no way that y'all going to win. And had Gideon lost it, and found out that they had helped them, Zeba and Zalmuna likely would have been killed. So they missed the opportunity to help those that God had chosen to do his work all because they were a fearful and couldn't recognize God's presence in Gideon. My takeaway, because God will prevail with or without you, be eager to join others who are engaged in his work with your time, your talents, your money, and your praise. And help others because it is the right thing to do, regardless of whether or not you'll personally benefit from it. Okay. I don't have nothing for that. That's good. All right. My next takeaway. Uh, and to tell his son to kill that man. Yes, that was my next thing. I am like, OMG, here we go again. You just said you was going to kill him. And now you done went and told your child to do it. And it don't say how old he is. It just say that again. He old enough to be there and to understand that is what his father asked him to do. Yet the King James Version reads that he's a youth and not a boy. And Mammy Till said Emmett Till was just a boy. 
when his murder happened and he was again 14. So I'm gonna guess he around about that age. So again, he he old enough to know what the hell going on, but he ain't old enough to actually do it. And then yeah. you ain't not only kill one man, you told this child to kill two men, kill both of them. Okay. I don't have no idea what he was thinking when he told that child to do that, but I do know what my takeaway is. You can't expect someone inexperienced to do superior work. Rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. You just sat here and asked a child again to do a man's job. You cannot sit here and expect me, somebody who has no experience in this job, to come in here and knock it out the park on the first day. You're crazy if that's what you're thinking. I am not experienced in this field at all. And the last time I checked, I thought I was going to have some on-the-job training. I thought somebody was going to try to teach me a little bit of something, but y'all just threw me out here to the shops. Y'all just threw me out here to the wolves, and I'm just supposed to figure it out, huh? And then when you come back here at the end of the day and you've seen how to made 12 mistakes, you're upset. Why? I told you I didn't know what I was doing. I just told you I just I don't know this job. I don't know this job. How do you expect me to do it when I don't know it? And that's the excuse a lot of people use as to how I'm supposed to be the parent. I've never been a parent before. How I'm supposed to know how to do that? I've never been an entrepreneur before. How am I supposed to know how to do that again? How am I supposed to know things when I'm inexperienced in it? Well, I got, for that one, I got, don't send a boy to do a man's job. If you had swag before, have it now and killing yourself. Don't put blood on somebody else's hands. Um, train before you go into battle or everybody should know that the Lord is with you. So nobody would be afraid to do what is commanded of them. That's what I got. Good point. Good point. Now I'm sure Gideon had good motives for making that ephod, but the Israelites began to worship it, prostituting themselves, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family because an ephod was a linen garment worn by priests over their chests. So it was almost like Gideon started his own religion because he wasn't a priest. Yet the people treated him as such. So, yes, his intentions were good, but it produced negative consequences. And this often happens when we don't stop to ask what might go wrong. So my takeaway, in our plans and decisions, take the time to anticipate how a good idea might lead to a potential problem. Those comments. Yeah, my comment is <laughs> before you take something and try to turn it into like you saying, but I'm basically what I'm trying to say is you still had to ask you didn't ask God, is that what you should do? You didn't consult him. You just did it. 
So ask God first before, because as soon as you do something, you can make extra, extra problems for yourself. He definitely should have consulted the Lord, but again, it's all the, the again your human decision making. Your thought process is this is a priestly thing, so this is a good thing to do. Meanwhile, I'm not a priest, so you shouldn't even be doing it in the first place. Let's start there. You didn't and had you probably consulted the Lord and asked me if it was okay, I would have told you no. Right. Again, so he went off his human instinct and emotions. Now that he got. A little bit of confidence and created another issue. Well, let's put that in like today's time. Let's use an example of again something that I've seen recently. So again, let's say that your sister goes to jail and you have to take in your nephews, right? Mm -hmm. That's the the right thing to do in your mind. This is the right thing to do, but you never asked yourself when you took these kids in what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. What can go wrong? You never said and asked yourself, well, what if they don't listen to me? Like, then what? You never asked yourself, okay, well, what if they act up in school? Like, how do I handle that? You never asked yourself, okay, like, what if they lazy? Like, and don't do, like, when I'm telling them to clean up and then, like, and they don't, like, how do I have, again, you don't ask yourself what can go wrong because the only thing you know right now is this is the right thing to do. That's just like if you get pregnant and you don't believe in abortion, you had, you 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 know what I'm saying, or you don't want to, you had a baby and you really not able to take care of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That could be like, okay, baby, I should have had it. You know, I guess maybe that's a whole nother session, but I mean, that's the same thing, you know what I'm saying? That's how I'm looking at it. Like, is it the right thing to do to get rid of it or to keep it? Did struggle either way? Okay, right well, see, to- I understand where you're coming from, but biblically speaking, why abortion is wrong? Because again, it's murder. You don't kill. Right. That's not your decision. And to right. also combat that, he also states again that you should be having sex when you're married and in a relationship. So if you're not married or engaged to be married, at least, you should not be engaging in these acts to bring a child into this world in the first place that you can't take care of. And that's the it's still like you said, like you don't consult you don't consult before you have unprotected sex, you don't consult before you take your family members in. You just do it without asking, is it the right thing to do? Or again, working, not asking if this is the right thing to do, but again, yes, this is the right thing to do, but what can go wrong? Like, what can happen? What can happen if I, I hired my my nephew to to run my register in my new business? I know he needs a job because he just got locked up. The probation people is saying that he needs a job. He got to hurry up and find a job or he ain't going to do nothing but lock him right back up. So let me give him the job. That's but again, you never ask yourself what can go wrong. That's with anything we do in life as of now and even back. If we, none of us really ask what would have do. You, you know what I'm saying? That's like, yeah. That's like a broad spectrum of really thinking about what can go wrong, even in everyday life. So, yeah, okay. they still need to seek God. They need to seek God first. We all do. In any movement. You know what I'm saying? Just like you're something he showed you. 
right? Mm-hmm. Give you something that you like, okay, that's what that's for, or this is what that, or sometimes things happen. I'm like, that was that Bible study, and that was on, the, you know, our Bible story, and this was that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But again, despite Gideon's inconsistencies, he never lost sight of the importance of putting God first. That's why he told them he would not be that king because God is. And in addition to that, he liked all that wealth he accumulated. I mean, he did say he was the least in his entire family, which could either mean smallest or slightest. And I heard from the Lord, tested the Lord, was strengthened by the Lord, and now I'm rich because of the Lord. And he's seen the Lord. Somebody basically started smelling themselves. That's basically what happened here. So I'm going to have all my wives, kids, concubines, as I can afford. This man has 70 sons. 70 sons. 71. 71. Yes, 71. So I'm going to have as many wives, kids, again, talking about as I can afford. This man was out here. Something Moses commanded a king not to do or accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. And that's probably another reason he didn't want to be the king because clearly he liked his stuff. I just went from nothing to these royal ornaments, these clothing worn by kings. I got the chains from around the camel's necks. I got the earrings that then came up to the 40 pound. I got all kind of stuff nailed it. I ain't never thought that I was going to ever have it. like a jackrabbit because I got 71 churns. 71. So my takeaway, people who succeed in one area of their life aren't necessarily perfect in other areas. Gideon led the nation but clearly failed to carry that same wisdom over to his personal and family relationships. So just because you won the battle over one temptation doesn't automatically mean you'll win the next one because that's usually when the devil's strongest attack comes after a victory, after you won. So now he's coming at you seven times stronger because ain't that how to say um when the spirit flees from a person, he goes out into the desert. And once he can't find anybody, he goes back into that person. But only this time, once he finds the house has been clean and swept and ain't no demons in here, he comes back and he brings seven of his friends with him. So now they got eight, seven, eight spirits up in this man name. Mm-hmm. So again, you just won one. I just let you win one. But that, that ain't mean I ain't about to come at you harder now. That don't mean that I didn't back off because I didn't lost. Because again, it ain't over. It ain't over. Well, my takeaway for Gideon, I got is, is Gideon is human. <laughs> Gideon is human and Gideon liked his stuff and mm-hmm. women. So mm-hmm. as righteous as as righteous as he was, he was still a man. That's what I got. Okay. That's facts. 
As soon as Gideon died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping Baal, forgetting the Lord and showing no loyalty to the family of Gideon. So my takeaway, in certain situations, loyalty goes beyond the grave. This man was dead, but so what he was dead. Y'all, again, y'all know what I said. Y'all know what I'm supposed to do. Y'all know what y'all supposed to do. It don't matter that I'm in the grave. It don't matter that I'm not here no more. That does not mean you don't show me no more loyalty just because you don't see me, just because I'm not here. Just because I can't test you and your loyalty to see if you're loyal to me. So literally, so as soon as I die, just that that's it. That's it. Everything my mama, daddy, anybody taught me and go out the window because they ain't here no more. I ain't ever listened to that and pay nobody no words. And forget just talking about them passing away. They just not even here. <laughs> They at work. They at auntie house. They somewhere and again, they just not around. Right. I got out of sight is out of mind. That's what I put for that one. Out of sight is out of mind. As soon as they gone, everything they That's do. Because it, all those words came up to that. They, these people show no loyalty for this man. Once he died, because they instantly went right back to doing what it is that they like to do best. Yeah, he gone now. We don't have nobody to none of that. So yeah, out of sight is out of mind. Let's go ahead on and finish what we were doing to somebody else raise up or something else happened, another famine. We need to get on our knees and praise God and let them raise somebody else up. Out of sight well, is out of mind. I understand that, but as I stated in this situation, in this situation, loyalty goes beyond the grave. I can understand in a marriage situation because that's how that goes. The Bible says, "To death do us part." If you died, I don't have to. I don't got to be loyal to you. I don't got to sit around here and not talk to nobody no more. Again, that that's dead. I got to get another boyfriend. I'm gonna give me another husband. You dead. Loyalty, yes, that's not loyalty. Is just that loyalty. But again, you can be loyal until you out of sight. Out of sight is out of mind. Loyalty is but that's what my point is. Like I said, in certain situations, in certain circumstances, loyalty goes beyond the grave. If in that instance, like I said, we were talking about this marriage and you're dead, and that's what we're vowed that once death does have done us part, I no longer have to hold up to these vows because you died. Right. And they felt since in this instance right here. Where I am trying to teach this generation, I am trying to teach these rebellious people that I don't, I, you don't put your faith in me. This is exactly why I told y'all I'm not going to be your leader and neither is none of my sons. Not a one, no. We are not your leaders. The Lord is your ruler. He is your leader. He is who you consult. Right, and they still was like, "Okay, you did out of sight, out of mind." Until again, until they raise somebody else, so he send fam and all this other stuff. They're gonna have to come back and do it again, all over again, all over again. 
just like 11 days took 400 years all over again. Abimelech, but clearly again, Abimelech, one of those traps Gideon got caught up in. Again, he wanted his father's spot, so he killed 69 of his half-brothers to get it. My takeaway, people with selfish desires for political power often seek to gain and maintain it in ruthless ways. If you are a leader, you need to examine your ambitions to see if you're self-centered or God-centered. Be sure you are always be sure you always fulfill your desires in ways that align with God's will. This man wanted his father's position so bad. He wanted to be in charge of these people so bad that he killed 69 of his brothers to get it. There's no way that you have any kind of God fearing desire in you to want to be anything other than selfish and concerned about only you, if you would do something like this just for a title. I got just because we blood don't mean we can. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. And then I got being from, <clears throat> being a stepchild, <laughs> being a stepchild, I don't, I don't care about none of y'all. I wanted should have been with the rest of y'all with my father. So I'm a bastard. I mean, child. but just think about it. Like all the stuff that has happened, the same way, like Flint, like literally, that is like one example. Like they knew this water was bad and contaminated. Meanwhile. Again, to keep this money, this position, this title, this power, we not get ready to fix it. We ain't in no rush to get ready to fix it. It is what it is. We got to do what it is we got to do. That's, and it'll get done when it's going to get done. I mean, you could go beyond flip, like the Aaron Brockovich story. You knew that the stuff that y'all was putting, this mass shit that y'all was from these pigs was giving these people cancer because of all the mm-hmm. chemicals you were using. And y'all refused to do any hiding it and all that until somebody was brave enough to come up and fight y'all dollar for dollar. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, the broccoli ain't grown and it ain't don't have no seed and it ain't good for you. <laughs> Spinach ain't grown and it's made and it ain't no good for you. Yeah, everybody, and you knew they kept, we don't post drink cow milk and that bees throw up and that's where we get the honey from. And again, you think you're doing something by changing your diet and trying to become healthy. So again, I'm going to use the, the pig's head and your toothbrushes. I'm going to, again, I'm going to do whatever it is that I have to do to get the outcome that I want. And what I want is you on some kind of prescription somewhere. I want you in some kind of case study somewhere where we get to use you as a human lab rat. I need you 
to do because we we trying to get money over here. It's all about money, money, money. I don't care about you. Yes, over in Europe, they're serving fist full size portions of food, but over here, we got two pound burgers. We know what we're doing. We know why we don't advertise whole life insurance. We know why we advertise the again the the uh, term life insurance as opposed to again the whole life insurance. We know why we promote all of these reality TV shows. Meanwhile, couples like Deval and Kev on stage have to go and create their own platforms because nobody wants to see you all's positivity. Nobody wants to see that you all are actually caring, loving parents who care for the well-being of your children and what they see and what could possibly happen if we give creative control to you all. Because as he stated, they didn't want to give us a TV show because the when they asked us, what's the dirt? Yeah, we see the primitive problem on the internet, but everybody got the primitive problem on the internet. So what's the dirt? And his response, there is none. That's why you don't see it. There's no dirt. What you what, what you want us to do? Not be us? What you want us to do? Create some drama? Just so we can get a TV show? Like, no. Like, again, if I, if I got to keep it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, where I got creative control and I determine what gets put out there and also get the money put directly in my pockets instead of through yours two minds, then I got to do it this way. Because again, I'm going to make sure that my goals and ambitions align with what God's will is for me. God's will is for my family to be together, to be strong, to be one. That's his that's his goal. That's what he wants for me. And I know what the devil wants is for us to break up. He does not want us together. He knows that we are stronger together than apart. Exactly. So I have to come in here and disrupt. But guess what? I'm not going to let you do it. And ain't no amount of money in the world is going to make me. So I'll keep it pushing. I'll, I'll do what it is that I want to do. The things that align with me. Because y'all ain't going to make me do nothing. Right. And y'all ain't going to break my soul. Oh, yes. The people of Shechem. The people of Shechem were too concerned with their politics, which played a major part in their religion. They gave this man 70 silver coins from the temple, which he used to hide some goons. So they appointed a man based on blood or business, basically, rather than heart which God's system of religion was designed from. So my takeaway is a question. 
Is your faith genuine and sincere or is it based on convenience, comfort, or the desire for wealth? You asking me the question? That's my takeaway. So for those, again, I mean, you can be answered as yourself, but for those listeners, as I'm stating, who's still around and we appreciate you, keep on listening, keep rocking with us. Um, but again, for those of you who yes, who are listening, that's what some that's the question you have to ask yourself. Is my faith genuine and sincere, or is it based on convenience, comfort, and a desire for wealth? Am I only in this this religion? Am I only worshiping God? Do I only say I am faithful because it's convenient for me to say that? That's that's what I know. I don't know nothing else to say. So that's what I say. Is it comfortable for me to say that? Because if I say anything else, other people might look at me differently. Right. My family might not look at me the same if I say anything differently. So it's comfortable and convenient for me to say what it is that they want me to say right now. That's the, um. oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so. What's uh, that lady's name? Tammy. Tammy got a show and caught in the act. And the dude is in a relationship with another dude. They've been in that relationship for seven years. Meanwhile, they've never had intercourse. Because according to the one who went to Tammy, my religion won't let me do it. I've grown up Christian. All I know is man and woman. That's what I've been taught. And I've mostly only been with women, and not mostly, I've only been with women up until him. I've never been with the man before him. So whenever it comes time to get intimate and to do those type of things, the only thing that runs through my mind is the scriptures, the thoughts that my parents told me, the preacher, the things that I believe that this isn't correct. So that's why we've been together for seven years and have never had intercourse. So, again, are you basically genuine with your faith? Are you sincere with your faith? And that's why you're not doing what it is that you're going to do. Or is it convenient for you to say that this is why you're not going to do this? Is it comfortable for you to say that that's why I'm not going to do this? Or do you desire some type of wealth, some type of gain, some type of attention? From doing it this way. Is that the reason that you're saying that that's why you're not doing what it is that you're doing? Who knows what it is? Because again, three months after when she came back for the recap, he did it. And then his response, it was, it was, it was nice. It was good and it was enjoyable. So I've done it now. So again, so do you fully believe that what you are doing is wrong? Or do you believe something else now? What what ground do you stand on? What line are you at now? That was good. Um, Jotham's parable was to help the people set good priorities. His point was that productive people aren't bothered 
with expanding the reach of their power because they're too busy doing good. However, a worthless person would be glad to accept the honor while destroying the people he ruled. For what kind of protection can you get from a thorn bush? It's a thorn bush. What, what, what can he do? So my takeaway, be like the trees and the olive and the and everybody else, the olive bush, the olive trees, the palm trees, the wine presses, everybody, the grapevines who yes, no, no, no. Be like them and choose to be productive and provide benefits to others and not like the thorn bush who just wanted praise, prestige, and power. Thoughts, comments? <laughs> My thoughts and comments is I ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay in my lane. This is not my lane. Know, know who you are and know your capabilities. Stay in your lane. That's what I got. Definitely do that. But again, if literally, if all your desire is to just be famous, if all your desire is to just, because you know you've got a lot of people who be like, I'm not trying to be a role model. I'm not in it to be a role model. Your kids shouldn't be this and this, this, that's your responsibility. And, and it's just like, but that's literally basically what I put you here for is to be productive and to help others to be an actual model of what a person, a reasonable, common sense, common anything person like, this is how you're supposed to be. This is the model. Again, that's the point of Jesus. Again, let me show you of what it is that I'm expecting. Let me give you the model of what it is you're supposed to do. Let me lay out the blueprint for you. So again, if all you want is for people to just praise your name, if all you want is just for your name to be a household name, if all you want is just for the power, just the money, just for the recognition, just for you to be like, oh, I know him. Oh, I know her. Oh, yeah, that's my man. Oh, yeah, I know such and such. Just like on Peabody. Like if that's all you want, then please do not ever, please don't ever try to be a person to be a leader don't never try to be in a position where you're in charge of making decisions for other people when the only person you're that you care about is yourself so you're not good at making decisions for the masses because you can't even fathom the masses they're what they're going through you don't even want to right. yeah. i don't care about it like again so don't you don't need to be in them kind of positions. I don't even know what kind of job you need to be in if that's how you think. With all, it, all that matters is you and nobody else. I have no idea what job you should do if you were, if you was a self-centered asshole, essentially. I don't know. Yeah. I guess a comedian. No, not even them. 
That's what I was about to say, because that's about the only time I could think that you could be up there just talk about you. And you could just talk about you, 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 you all day long. I mean, that's what that's the profession that you are, but the human the humanistic person, you you know what I'm saying, you still have to survive if you don't have any empathy, if you don't have any uh humanity humanity towards your love. That's the first thing God previous love thy neighbor, love thyself, love that yeah if you don't have any of that you can you could be up there performing and talk about you all day long but when you step off that stage if you ain't doing nothing in your personal life to help somebody else other than yourself then you won't serve a purpose i don't care if it's the man on the street to say hi to the mailman your next door neighbor go to the store it's still something that you're giving back to <coughs> excuse me to the lord to, to do something help somebody other than yourself to think about somebody other than yourself. And that's what I'm saying. What kind of job could you do with you? What, that's what I'm saying. I said a comedian, but other than that, I could think of a, what, a tennis player? Where it's just the two of y'all out here don't really matter. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But what yeah, job could you possibly do with? Job. It don't matter. I'm just thinking. That's I still, still can't think of one. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking of stuff, and even as I'm saying it, I'm still like, that still doesn't sound right. That still sounds like that you should have some kind of compassion and empathy for somebody else. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. I can't, I can't think of it. I can't. If you all can think of one, Send us a message. Let us know. Yeah, because I can't think of a job where it's okay to be self where it's okay to only think about, I don't know, a social media influencer, but even again, still then people see you. So that's why I don't I can't think. I don't well, know. Once I the pop off, you will have you still have to employ people. You still have to have some type of tact because now you're getting into a realm where you it's a whole lot. It's you know what I'm saying? So I, I can't I mean you dog walker. <laughs> you still got to have some kind of compassion again the, the, you don't be an asshole and leave this dog shit all over the place people walk around here man listen somebody left their dog poop in my yard I was so mad I'm about to get a sign <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying that's what I'm, I'm saying no matter what you need to have some kind that's why that is literally like the number two rule God give God gave us ten commands, but it's again, it's literally just basically only two because if you follow these two, then all the ten follow up under there. Love me and love your neighbor. Some people don't love themselves, so how can they love anybody else? And some people don't know what love is. Some people, you know, some just just have that. Some do. Some I understand that because again, as I keep saying, God is not everywhere. He ain't in everybody. Like I understand things. That's what I be saying. I get it. But for those of you who He has chosen, for those that is literally Jesus's purpose. He says, "I've come to not again." The parable that they use of when there's a hunting sheet and one of them veer off, and why would you chase after that one and leave the 99? Because that's what Jesus' job is to not lose one person who God has given him. To not lose one. I am going to go after that one. Clearly, the other 99 know what to do. I feel safe enough to leave them. This one clearly who has ventured off don't know no better. <laughs> I gotta go find them. 
before he go do something that he can't get himself out of before my sheep get trapped in a wolf's trap that was good um, Abimelech ruled for three years before God moved and fulfilled Jotham's parable for some three years isn't a long time but for others like Jotham, I'm sure it is. And we sit and wonder why it's taking so long for this person to be punished or why has evil prevailed. My takeaway, God promises to deal with sin, but in his time, not ours. And when you really think about it, that's good news. For we all have sinned and deserve God's punishment. But God, being the merciful, gracious, and patient man that he is, he allows us time to turn from our sins and turn to him for repentance. So when we are trusting God for justice, it means, one, we first recognize our own sins and repent, and two, we may face a difficult time of waiting for the wicked to be punished. Nevertheless, we can be sure that in God's time, all evil will be destroyed. That's good. Uh, my next one. Thus far, we've heard about many of the judges receiving the spirit of the Lord to empower and help them. Here, God sent the spirit of trouble to stir up a revolt against Abimelech and Shechem's people. So my takeaway, God can send whatever spirit he wants to bring about his judgment. Yeah, I, had I had, you know, God, that's what I said, God sent changes. God can send changes, God can send anything he wants. He can send disruption. He can send. <laughs> he can send a wake up again. Call. The 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 spirit of anything I want, anything that I want to bring about the judgment that I that I feel is just. Because again, I know the whole scope. I know what you do in secret. I know everything. So again. When I do give my punishment out, it is in my time. And because that's the whole point of sin, to, to see if you're going to turn it around to get it right. To see, I'm going to give you the chance. I'm going to give you the chance. This is the reason, again, the serpent is in the garden. Because I have to see if you can withstand my, my word. I need to see if you can withstand test. I need to see if you can withstand the devil. I need to see if you can withstand evil. I need to see if you can prevail. Because again, if I don't put these, if I don't give you the balance of the two, you will not be balanced. You won't know what decisions to make when the time comes. You don't know who to ask for help when you get into a messed up situation. You don't know what steps to take to get yourselves out of a situation that you find yourself in. Because again, you're trying to do things your own way. When he's giving, I'm telling you which way to do it. You're choosing not to do it the way I tell you to do it. So 
in order to make my judgment come through, I'm going to send the spirit of trouble down here to stir up some mess. So, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to let y'all have a party. I'm going to let everybody get drunk. And you ain't even going to know who's in the audience. You ain't going to know who is the participants. You ain't going to know who none of the party goers is. And you sitting around here running your mouth. Meanwhile, people are listening. Right. But as he stated, he's also said, you don't talk, don't do that. Because a little birdie, a little birdie might hear what you said and pass your message along. That's why I guess get a journal and write it down. And if somebody goes and reads your journal, they have invaded your privacy. You have all kinds of right. But again, when you out here just skewing your opinions to people and what you think, you cannot get upset when they do what they do. You came to my party talking mess about me. So that's basically my last takeaway. Pay attention. Know your surroundings and act accordingly because the spirit of trouble is everywhere. It's everywhere. Not just in the hood, which I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I was reading this. But then I remembered when we was talking about Africa. So this is likely where we get it from, even though this was thousands, maybe even millions of years ago. The people sat on the hilltops and robbed everybody who passed that way. Doesn't that sound like a hood thing or a gang or something like that? So that's what made me think of that. But back to the subject, Gail moved to Shechem with his brothers gained the confidence of Shechem's leading citizens, or so he thought anyways, attended one of their festivals, got drunk, everybody began cursing Abimelech, but Gael went in and threw Zebal in it too. Zebal again just so happened to be there. So he, so he overheard what this man had to say about him, got made, came up with a plan to get rid of him and his brothers. When Gael saw Abimelech and all those men coming, he was like, "Young, yeah. I, I some niggas is some niggas running down the hill. They is coming." And Zebo, playing dumb as if he didn't set Gael up, was like, "I mean, yeah, you 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 see some people from where they coming from? I I don't see nobody. All I see is the shadows and the hills. You tripping? Ain't no ain't no people coming. But Gael is nah, nigga. I, I'm not tripping. People is." running down this way right now and some coming from the other way and now here comes the ball yeah nigga i heard you talking all that mess you was talking all that mess at the party last night when you was drunk you know what they say drunk man speaks sober thoughts so you meant all that stuff you see dead ass you felt like i'm just i'm just the urn boy that's what you think of me. And I thought we was boys. I thought we was cool. Like you came down here and gave the confidence of everybody. Like you came down here and everybody was just like, yeah, this man's down like, all right. But deep down, you don't, you don't really rock with us. You got all that mouth. You had all that mouth last night. And I want you to bring that same energy right now. And I want you to go out here. And I want you to go fight these men. Like, go. Oh, here you go. 
You said that's what you said last night. I tell him to go get his men and come out and fight. They here now. So go out and fight, mighty mouth. And of course, got out there, fought lost, and was chased all the way back to Shepherd. And which which means the next day, yeah, which means the next day, Shepherd went out to go fight. And he lost more people yet again, got the city level, and then decided to hide in the temple. And a woman, yet another woman, that she ain't got no name. But she ended up being the one that killed him and wounded him, which is like I was just saying again to my mother, why I can understand why the Bible say there is not one morally right woman nowhere. Because that's our first thought process. Y'all taking too long. Y'all is taking too long. This man is out here. Here's the opportunity. I'm going to do it. And in the end, Abimelech got what he deserved for what he did to his father and his brothers. He wasn't killed in battle by a weapon. He was killed by a woman with farming equipment. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Again, that's why I said I can understand. I can understand why he said he could not find not one morally correct woman in all the towns that he went to go speak to women. Because that's that's our instincts. Like humanly nature, that's our instincts. I, again, she shot him. You ain't here touching these kids. You got to go. You got to go. Just because of your greed, your lust, your envy, your selfish, your all that to us. And I, yeah, I'm about to throw all this at you to help them out. So I'm because I'm tired of being on this roof. I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all I know is he's sitting here talking about them. Take your sword out. So it's not said that a woman killed me. Yeah, so she won't get the credit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, I'd much rather, much rather say that a child killed me than yeah. to say that this woman did. Yeah. Absolutely. That was good. Yeah, but well, that's it for this week. That's all I got. You got anything you want to add? I don't have anything. I think this was good. This was this was on point. Yeah, right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of 2020 Bible Stories with Meek and Fish. I'm Meek, your host, and with me as always. Fish, your thought commentator. Stay tuned next week when we'll continue reading the book of Judges. Until then, stay blessed, stay safe, stay reading the Bible, and meditating daily. Peace. That concludes this episode of 2020 Bible Stories. Stay tuned next week for a new episode. 